All right, well, today we're in part three of our healer series, and we started with this incredible truth that for every hurt, God is our healer, that while following Jesus doesn't exempt us from the pain and hurt of following life, and life has plenty of hurt and pain to dish out, that following Jesus brings us in connection with the one who can heal us from every hurt and every pain that life can throw our way. And so the first week we said that we seek healing from God when we partner and when we pray and when we praise. And then last week we looked at finding healing God um, the, the, the finding the healing that God has for our inner world and for our emotions, that we want to guard our hearts, that we want to guard our hearts. And in doing so, we find healings for the feelings. We find healing for the feelings. Now today, as we continue, I want us to talk about how God wants to bring healing to your mind, the healing of our thoughts. See, it's an interesting thing to be told that you that your mind needs healing, isn't it? Like to be told that your mind needs healing, that's a kind of an interesting thing. Like if I sat down with you and you told me your three biggest problems in life and I responded to you that the problem was all in your mind, that would be pretty insulting, wouldn't it? Like that would be a, a, like a pretty big insult. Like say, oh, well, that's all. Well, that's all in your mind. And here's the thing: while that would sound pretty insulting, it actually wouldn't be that far from the truth. Because while your biggest problems aren't only in your mind, many of your biggest problems start there. Let me say, let me say that again. While your biggest problems aren't only in your mind, many of your biggest problems start there. See, many of the relationship issues that you have, many of the fears you face, many of the things that keep you up at night exist because of a particular thought that took hold in your mind and it wouldn't let you go. It won't let you go. And that thought has led you toward actions and habits and experiences that have wreaked havoc on your world. And the reason that that happened, the reason that that happened or the reason that's happening is because whenever something gets broken in our thinking or our thought life, it doesn't stay isolated to our thought life. It always moves towards the surface. It always moves towards our actions. The Apostle Paul actually actually displayed the positive power of this in his letter to the church in Philippi when he wrote this in Philippians chapter 4. He said, finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And then he said this, whatever you have learned or received or heard from or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Now notice in, that, in, that, in those two verses, notice the motion and the progression here. It starts with your thoughts. Think on these things. It moves to action. Put it into practice. And then it moves towards experience. Thoughts. Think on these things. Action. Put it into practice. Interestingly enough, like Paul didn't actually need to tell anyone that because our actions always arise out of our thoughts, even if they're the thoughts that are below the surface that we're not necessarily even aware of, that we're not even really paying all that much attention to. The thoughts always drive our actions. And then the experience is that you, that you experience the positive consequence of thinking the right things. The peace of God will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. Our thoughts our thoughts have incredible power for good when our thoughts are healthy and for serious damage when they're not. This is why it's just plain true to say this. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Always. Always. They're always moving in the direction of the strongest things that we think. That your life and my life will never be healthier than the health of our thought life. And for many of us, that truth should make us sit up and pay attention because if we're honest, we live our lives in the middle of a battlefield for 
our minds. There is a world that locked in on a battle for your mind, and in doing so, a fight for, your, for the condition and the direction of your life. And because I take the Bible seriously, I don't actually just think there's a world fighting for your attention. I believe there's actually an enemy who is trying to win space and place in your mind. Because your enemy knows that if he can win your attention and win your thought life, he can control where your life goes because our life is always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So today, as, as, we, as we talk about our thought life, there's three primary ways I think our minds take on some damage, take on some brokenness, need some healing. And because of those three areas of damage, I think there's three specific ways that we need healing. Here's the three areas we, need, we often need healing in. There are lies that we have believed, there are patterns we have embraced, and there are runaway thoughts. There are thoughts that run away from us. So let me start today by talking about the healing that we need for the lies that we have believed. As I've said many times already, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts, which makes for a really intriguing question. What happens when our strongest thoughts are lies that we've believed as if they're true? What happens, what happens when the strongest thoughts in your head and the strongest thoughts in my mind are lies that I have believed and that you have believed as if they were true. Now, for our daughters, we have actually seen this play out in their bedrooms at bedtime, nap time over the years. Our girls' two bedrooms are right next to each other and the girls are two years apart, which, which means we have an older daughter who's really active and, and is less likely to go to sleep quickly and makes a lot more noise when she's playing, also wakes up earlier, doesn't sleep as long, also sleepwalks, which is a really fun adventure with a four-year-old. And then we have a, a, a daughter who's two years younger than her, who sleeps longer, who's more likely to be woken up. And so because of that, we made the decision, think of this what you want, we made the decision early on to reverse our older daughter's doorknob, meaning we could actually lock her in her room from the outside so that she wouldn't get out of her room and go wake up her little sister, who is a much more sensitive sleeper in the room next door. Now, What's interesting about a door locked from the outside is from the inside, she can't tell if the door is locked or not. It looks no different. So for a good six months as we started this, we, we, would, we would close her door, we would lock it, and we would go through this process where she would, she would just cry and yell and, and, and you know, stomp around her room and tell mommy and daddy how mean we were. And we were just you know, terrible parents. It was a really fun, enjoyable experience. But after six months of doing this, eventually she stopped trying to grab the door. She just knew that we, we had locked the door. And so one day, as a great parent, as a great pastor, I decided to see, well, how much does she trust that we do the same thing and that we mean what we say? And so I told her that we locked the door, except I didn't lock the door. And you want to know what happened? She did the exact same thing that she does when we lock the door that we did as, as, as when we, as when I just told her that we locked the door, but we didn't, she yelled and she stomped around her room and she cried and she told us that we were mean, but she never once went to try to open the door to see if we had actually locked it, which tells, which told me two things. Number one, my daughter knows that I'm a creature of habit and that I don't tell lies, which unfortunately I, I did this one time, but you know, moving on, but that she actually trusts that we, that what we say is what we're going to do. But the second thing that I thought was really interesting is that's what many of us do in our thought lives. We live lives surrounded by lies and with lies that have taken root in our mind and we respond and we live our lives based off of what we think, whether it's true or not. And so my daughter stayed locked in her room 
while believing something that wasn't true. She believed that the door was locked and therefore she stayed inside while there was freedom for her on the other side of the open door because she had believed something that was not true. And here's the thing that we need to understand about this. A lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. A lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. Your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts, whether those thoughts are true or not. Every thought that you think is not true, but your life will move in the direction of what you're thinking, whether it's true or not. In John chapter 8, verse 42, Jesus was talking about, uh, about the people who wouldn't believe him and couldn't believe him and wouldn't believe what he was saying. And Jesus, in this, talked a little bit about the enemy that we face in, in, the, in the battle for our thoughts. Here's what he said in John chapter 8, starting in verse 42. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. And then he says this, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, this is, this is so fascinating. This is the only time in scripture that Satan or the devil is in any way referred to as a creator, as the origin of anything, as the origin of anything. You want to know why that's important? It means and it tells us that the only thing that our enemy has the power to create is lies, is falsehoods, is the twist of the truth. That while our enemy can manipulate situations and circumstances, the only thing that he can make are lies. The only tool in his toolbox is falsehoods, the, sw- the slight twist of a truth, the thing that sounds and feels true but is not true, the thing that's 90% true but the last 10% is not true. That's the only thing that our enemy has in his toolbox for leading you away from the things of God. It's lies. They all originate from the father of Lies. Now that's interesting. That's interesting. But another thing that's interesting here is Jesus seems to insinuate that the reason people couldn't and wouldn't believe him when he spoke the truth is that these people have listened to lie after lie after lie after lie. And when you have listened to and believed enough lies, the truth becomes almost impossible to hear. So for all of us, so for all of us, we need to really train ourselves to think about what we think to think about what we think, to evaluate our thoughts and see if the thinks that we think are actually true thoughts or to see if there's a lot of truth but a little bit of a lie or 50-50 or none of it's even true but it sounds really convincing. See, here's some of the, some of the ways that the enemy will lie to make to try to convince you um, that or to try to get you to move in a direction or to try to move you towards the things that he wants to move you toward to, in order to destroy you from the inside out. So you succeed at something, he'll try to convince you that you don't need God. And look, you're doing pretty well after all. You look at what look at all the success that you just had. You don't need God. If you fail at something, he'll try to convince you that failure isn't an event, it's it's your identity, that you are a failure. Isn't that interesting? 
Either way you go, he has a lie ready for you. Have a great first date, he'll suggest that romance is the only thing that can really make you happy and satisfy you. Yay! Have a bad first date, he'll whisper that you'll never have anyone love you for who you are. Again, no matter how the date turns out, he's got a lie ready to move you in a direction. Discipline your kids in a way that makes your kids cry. Well, you're a ter terrible parent. You're a jerk who doesn't actually care about your kids. Discipline in a way that doesn't seem to correct their behavior or doesn't seem to work. Well, see, what a loser you are. You're a pushover for, for not being able to discipline your kids. Either way you go, there's a lie ready for you. Invest money in a stock that goes down. What a loser for handling money so poorly. Don't invest in something that, that goes up. See, you're too scared to ever make the right moves. Like you're, like you're just always going to be too scared to make the right moves. Let me tell you a couple more. It's always going to be like this. That when you're facing the difficult moments in life, it's always going to be like this. It's always going to be like this. You're never going to make any progress. You're never going to make any progress. No matter how hard you try, life will always be hard. So why bother? These are all lies that come from our enemy. And there are different, a million different lies the devil will throw at you. And here's the best, that I, best advice that I can give you to help you win in the battle for your thoughts, in the battle for your mind. Don't pick your battles. Fight them all. Don't pick your battles, fight them all. Deciding what you, that, that you want to fight is not a one-time decision. It's not a one-time decision. It's an everyday decision. It's a moment-by-moment -moment decision. I would dare say it's a moment-by-moment -moment fight. That you, if you, you, you won't win the battle for your mind by picking a fight, you will win by fighting continuously. That every single time you catch a lie working its way, working its way to the ground, you wrestle it to the ground. That every time you find a lie working its way through your mind, you make the decision. I'm not going to let that slide. I'm not going to let that slip through. I'm going to fight it and I'm going to wrestle it to the ground until it has no place in my mind. See, your mind is too valuable to let a single lie slip through because you don't feel like fighting on that day. Prepare to fight every day and then fight in every way. Don't pick your battles. Fight them all. Until you confront the lies, it is possible. It's possible. I dare say it's probable. That you're a little, that you're like a little girl standing behind a door that's open, only you don't realize it is. And on the other side, if you're willing to fight, if you're willing to engage, if you're willing to not pick the battle but to fight them all, there is freedom for you that awaits on the other side of the battlefield. There is freedom for you and there's freedom for me when we confront the lies that we have believed. The second way that I think we need, so many of us need healing is for the unhealthy thought patterns that so many of us have unfortunately embraced in our lives. And when I talk about unhealthy patterns, here's what I mean. When anything happens, your thoughts automatically move you in a certain direction or send you to a specific place. And when I say unhealthy patterns, it means that your natural process automatically moves you towards an unhealthy spiral of negative or unproductive or unhealthy thoughts. Let me give you a couple examples. See, they don't text you back right away, so you quickly start obsessing about how they don't like you and they don't want to be your friends, and now you're overanalyzing every word of every text that you've ever sent between the two of you to see if you said something offensive or if there was something they previously said that you should have picked up on. If that's your pattern of, of, of instead of assuming that people like you and, uh, and sometimes get busy with life when someone doesn't text you back in 10 minutes, like I'm just saying that's an unhealthy pattern of thoughts. Let me give you another one. You get a voicemail from your doctor saying to give them a call back and you start assuming that your most recent blood work is about to turn into a bloodbath rather than assuming there's good news and a clean bill of health. 
Again, it's an unhealthy thought pattern. Let me give you one more. You prayed for something and it didn't happen right away. You prayed for something, it didn't happen right away. And your mind begins to wonder really quickly if God hears you, if God loves you, if God cares about you at all, if he's really attentive to you. When what you want doesn't happen right away, your mind starts racing with doubts and thoughts that God has failed you. If that's your natural thought pattern, that's an unhealthy and unproductive thought pattern. Let me ask you this question. Has anyone been there? I've, I've been there. You want to know why I can describe those really well? Because that's where my mind can go pretty easily, that there are unhealthy patterns that all of us have embraced at some point along the way over life. And what's interesting as we read through the pages of Scripture, as we read through many of the verses that we're looking at today, it seems like maybe just maybe Paul, the Apostle Paul, was an overthinker who dealt with or at the very least understood these unhealthy patterns. In a really famous verse, Paul gave some incredible advice for those of us who have some unhealthy patterns of overthinking and obsessing and negativity and unproductivity in our thoughts. Here's what he said in a really famous passage in Romans chapter 12. He said, do not conform to the pattern. The pattern, that's an interesting word, right? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, of your mind. He says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not conform. I'm going to read it one more time. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, the thinking of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, allowing God to renew and change the, the patterns in your mind. You want to know the principle here? Change the pattern, not the paint. Change the pattern, not the paint. So often when something is not working right, when it's not working right, or our first thing, our, our, our first thing is to change the behavior around it, to change the behavior around it. And while adjusting behavior is great, in and of itself, it does nothing to address unhealthy patterns that are the real and the root problem. So in the examples I mentioned before, here's what behavior modification looks like. Well, I'll text different. I'll make sure I don't put myself out there. I, I won't let calls from my doctor go to voicemail where I, where I know I'll obsess. I, I won't let my hopes get up when I pray. I'll pray in a way where I don't get my hopes up. That's behavior modification and it's fine, but it does nothing to address the pattern of unhealthy thinking that has developed in your mind and in your thought life. To put it in the terms that I mentioned before, changing the behavior is like changing the paint while using the same pattern. It looks a little different, but it's going to feel awfully familiar. See, here's the actual visual here. We're going to put a pattern up on screen. Here's a pattern, and with the click of a mouse, I can change the color of the pattern. And it's a different color. Yay! It's not really different, is it? It's not really that different. Like it feels really, really, really familiar. It feels the exact same, just a little bit different take on it. If you walked into a room that had the first pattern on the walls and then someone invited you to come back later and see how they massively changed the room, but you had, but they had used the same pattern with a different color, you'd be pretty underwhelmed by the change in the room. In contrast, if we took the same color, but we changed the pattern, we create a whole new experience. Again, with the click of a mouse, I can change the color, but with the, it takes a lot more work to change the pattern, but changing the pattern actually makes the difference. And until I address and I change the pattern, everything else, all the behavior modica modification in the world is just window dressing. Paul says, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Don't use the same old pattern that everyone else is trying to use and just try to change the paint a little bit. 
Don't do that. Paul says your life will be transformed and your life will only be changed when your thought process is made new. When you allow God to create a new pattern, when God has the opportunity to form new pathways in your mind, when you allow God to have the authority to tell you when a pattern is unhealthy and give him permission to help create a new one, that's where life change really begins, when you give God permission to change your mind. And one of the best ways to allow God to form new and healthy thought patterns is to memorize Scripture is to memorize scripture. In Psalm 119.11, David wrote this, I have hidden your word in my heart. That's his way of saying, I have memorized it. I have brought it into my mind. I brought it into my life. Like no one can take it from me because I know it. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. David had memorized the word of God so that his thoughts would always run into the thoughts of God. So that when his thoughts began to move in their own direction, they would eventually run into the thoughts of God. See, when you memorize scripture, this is the one of the best ways that I've ever heard this talked about. You establish some thought bumpers. You establish some thought bumpers. I can't go too far before my thoughts run into God's thoughts. And if my thoughts are unhealthy and they run into God's thoughts, that should stop the unhealthy thoughts and move me in the direction of healthy thinking patterns. And if I ever want to change my thought patterns, the best thing that I can do is memorize God's word, store it in my brain so that if I ever move toward unhealthy thought patterns, God has some real estate in my mind that doesn't allow those unhealthy patterns to keep going. God's word is taking ground in my mind. And for some of you, you might say this, like, well, I, that, that sounds good, but like, I can't memorize things. I can't memorize these things. Here's the thing. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Some of you, you have all of the fantasy football stats in the world memorized. Let me tell you this. You have all of your own terrible self-talk memorized. You don't, know, you don't need to read that off of a script. You have it all memorized. Here's what I would say. You can memorize anything that matters to you. Anything that matters to you, you can memorize. What if you made the decision? Scripture matters to me. Forming new healthy patterns matters so much to me that I'm going to memorize the Word of God. I'm going to start to memorize God's Word. I'm going to start to let God's Word take some realist, take up some real estate in my mind because I want to change the unhealthy patterns that I have embraced. I don't want to just change the paint. I want to change the pattern. And then here's the third thing that I think many of us need some healing. The third, the third way our, our thoughts get away from us or the third way is that, may, that maybe our mind has been broken in some way or another. That many of us, we deal with runaway thoughts. We deal with thoughts that run away from us. Some of us have never met a thought that we didn't want to follow to the darkest place that it can lead us, right? Like that, when I say runaway thoughts, I'm that's what I'm talking about. That some of us have never met a thought we didn't want to follow to the darkest place it could go. The smallest little thing can take us down a road that moves us swiftly and quickly to dark, dark places. So you get in a little fight with your spouse and they took a small jab at something about you that you're, in, that you're a little insecure about. And five minutes later, you have convinced yourself that you're the worst wife ever and completely undeserving of love because who could love someone like you? And you're like, Boom, you, you went from here to there as fast as a person could possibly go. Someone you hung out with calls you to let you know they tested for COVID and 10 minutes later in your head, you're laying on a hospital bed on a ventilator, on a ventilator with your family crying outside the window, holding up signs that they love you and will miss you when you're gone. I mean, like thought 
way over there. I mean, again, some of us, we can do that pretty quickly. Your sixth grade daughter comes home with a C on their report card, and five minutes later in your mind, they are getting rejected from every college that exists, and they're living in your spare bedroom forever with a boyfriend who still can't grow a mustache because the boyfriends in sixth grade can't grow a mustache, and at 23, you believe they probably still can't grow a mustache. That like, you can take yourself from point A to point Z immediately fast because your thoughts run away from you. See, our, when our thoughts run away from us, they take us in the direction of unhealthy, unproductive, negative thoughts that reflect none of the hope that we have in Christ. But for our runaway thoughts, Paul once again gives us some really clear direction in a letter that he wrote to the church in Corinth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 3, he wrote this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. First off, again, notice that word, every thought. Every thought. Again, we don't pick our battles. We fight every single one. You take every thought captive and you you filter it through our through through Jesus Christ. But when when thinking of that word runaway, I can't help but picture big trucks coming through the mountains and coming down mountain roads that are full of sharp turns and occasionally their their brakes go out. And this has happened so many times over the years that states in mountainous regions that you know develop roads have developed, you know, strategies to handle this eventuality that this that this eventually happens. And so instead of them <coughs> so for those runaway situations, um, they've developed these things called run runaway relief ramps. Runaway relief ramps. If you've ever driven Highway 82 from Alamogordo to Cloudcroft, there's one that you can't miss. What this looks like is while the road is coming down the mountain, this portion of road is covered with a mixture of dirt and gravel, which slows the vehicle and slopes upward to bring the vehicle to a, to a stop slower through its natural momentum. And the whole goal is to bring the runaway to a safe but quick stop. Doesn't that sound like what Paul is telling us to do with our thoughts? That instead of them running away from us or leading us to places we don't want them to, to mentally, want to mentally go, we actually can tell our runaway thoughts where to go. That we don't follow the runaway thoughts. We tell the runaway thoughts where to go. Instead of us being led by our thoughts, we can lead our thoughts. We take every thought, and if it's not in line with what Jesus has for us, we let it know that it's not welcome in our minds, and it has to go somewhere else. And so here's a phrase that I would love for you to adopt when your thoughts start running away from you to dark places. Hey, runaway thought, take the ramp. Hey, runaway thought, take the ramp. Take the ramp. Like you, you are not welcome in my mind. You need to come to a safe and a, a and a complete stop somewhere else. You cannot keep going in my mind. You need to go somewhere else. You are not welcome here. I take every thought and I take it captive to Christ. If a thought doesn't lead me to Christ or to the life that He has for me, I tell that thought that it needs to leave. You, I take it, take the ramp. I send it to a safe and abrupt. Stop. And when we do that, we find the freedom from those thoughts that so easily run away from us. See, here's the thing. God wants to bring healing to your mind and to my mind. He does. He does because he cares for you, because he cares for you, because he loves you. He cares for me and he loves me. And because God knows that our life is always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts, he cares about the condition of 
our minds. He wants to bring healing for the unhealthy patterns. He wants to bring his truth where we have believed lies from the enemy. And he wants to bring peace to our runaway thoughts. For every hurt of life, God is our healer. And he is the healer for the brokenness that we live with in our minds so that we don't have to live with that brokenness one day longer. Today, would you allow God to begin to bring healing to your mind by, by not just changing the paint, but changing the pattern, by, by beginning to memorize scripture? Would you believe to embrace God's truth where you've believed some lies? And would you tell those runaway thoughts, you can take the ramp. You're not welcome here anymore. I'm going to take every thought captive to Christ. And in doing so, we allow God to bring the healing that he so desperately wants to bring to you and to me. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your grace for us. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the healing that you want to bring to our minds. God, where things have gotten broken, things have gotten messy, things have gotten difficult in our minds, would you bring your healing to us? So God, today I just simply pray that you would do that. God, help us to be willing to, to put aside and confront and fight the lies that we have, that we have believed as, as if they were true and to embrace your truth. God, for those of us who, who we have, we've developed some unhealthy patterns along the way, God, would you help us to memorize your word and to change not just the paint, but to change the pattern and to not go to the same places that we so naturally go to. And God, would you give us the courage to, to take every, captive, every thought captive to Christ to filter it through your love and your grace and your strength and your power for us. And God, whatever thoughts want to run away from us, want to cause us to run away and, and our thoughts get away from us, would you help us to tell them to take the ramp, that they are not welcome here, that they have to leave. God, help us, help us to receive the healing that you have for us by, by receiving the healing and taking the steps that you want us to take to bring healing to our thoughts and to bring healing to our minds. And in doing so, God, would you bring us the freedom and the peace that we've been looking for for so long. We love you. We pray the all in Jesus' strong name. Amen.